Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Welcome to season four. I well, obviously, I'm cool. I'm uh, conceited enough to be like, I knew that we'd go, we'd be here. Did you though? I don't know. I don't After know. last season, I wasn't 100 percent sure if we would make it. I don't think so either. <laughs> I think we would make it two years ago. Yeah, but look at us now. Look at us now. Actually. Look at us now. now. (laughs) So, those of you that follow us on social media know that we have signed with Legend Entertainment. uh, As well as got video equipment, if you didn't get that pun earlier. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, obviously, things starting to move forward with the show. uh, Bigger and better, I believe. Bigger, faster, stronger. We say it every season, like, oh, this is better than last But the interesting is, though, it's... Every season, I don't know how we'd manage to find something else that we weren't doing in the first place. Yeah. Maybe we're just inept people. Like, we could have been doing this, like, way long ago. But it is cool because yeah. every season we were, like, doing something different. Well, I don't know what it is. I think it's maybe because, like, now, like, the podcast market is starting to get so flooded. It's already been, though. Yeah, but, like, now it's, like, well, especially yeah. with, like, last year, like, more and more people are doing it now. Yeah. And it's, like, it's like hey, well, that's what these guys are doing. And we're already better than that, so let's do this just that little bit better. Better. And then now it's like, welcome to video. But we're not better than anybody else. No. no. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you somewhere in a comment section somewhere, they're like, listen to those fucking assholes. There's of course. no way. Of course. There's no way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, today's date's August 2nd. We haven't posted since April, I believe it was. So, um, nope. quite a few months. Do you have anything new or interesting? A lot of new and interesting. Um, it is interesting. Or what's being been in, up? That is the real question, isn't it? Exactly. Definitely not the economy, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> um, football season's also right around the corner, but we're not going to talk about that either. What I will talk about, though, is now there was a lot that happened, and it sucks because this is like my safe space to talk about all things music. Right? Music insight and opinion. Exactly. The problem is when we have these breaks is like I've always said, this is like my place to be able to talk about this. And this is what I do on a regular basis. Yeah. Now for those listening, me and Bill used to live pretty close to each other. Now we don't. So my banter is very pent up in being able to talk about shit because nobody <laughs> wants to fucking hear about me talking about how Paul Deano was the best vocalist for Iron Maiden. Yeah. Nobody fucking cares. They just want to just like not talk about that. At all. So I get to do that here. And I will talk about that. Because Iron Maiden, (laughs) coincidentally, is coming out with a new album. Now, I'm not 100% sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly. It is Japanese, but it's Sinjutsu. Um, And the album, they released the song. It was called The Writing on the Wall. This song runs just over six minutes. Oh, God. The instrumental work is very epic, you know, battle-hardened Iron Maiden. Yeah. Right? Like, that's like their theme. Um, but the song itself, man, like it's six minutes. It did not need to be fucking six minutes. Like it is very repetitive. It's very Dickinson Maiden. Yeah. Um, it's listenable, I guess you could say. Yeah. But dude, I was looking at the whole album. The whole album runs like 84 minutes with other songs running 11, 12, you know, like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner type fucking songs. Yeah. So Iron Maiden for me. It was always one of those bands. They've kind of become like the ACDC of heavy metal. They're kind of putting out the same shit over and over. Long, epic, you know. They've been doing that for a while, For a though. while, man. The only thing I will say that comes from this, though, and if you haven't seen Iron Maiden live, you definitely should. Um, it's an experience. It's fun. Um, they do put on a good show. So the only thing that sucks is, is you're probably going to hear a majority of songs from this new album because it'll mm-hmm. be like an album release tour. But... 
yeah, I heard the new song. It's called The Writing on the Wall. The album's called Sinjitsu. Um, I'm going to listen to the whole thing. I mean, at some point, I just have to find 80 fucking minutes to dedicate to it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that was like, other than a lot of other shit, that was probably the most relevant, new, and interesting nice. thing recently. And what about you, Bill? Well, before the show ended last season, uh, Wolfgang Van Halen or Mammoth WVH uh, released, I believe it was just Distance and maybe another song too. But um, since then, the uh, the album fully came out, just titled Mammoth WVH, came out July or June 16th. I think it was June 16th. I had a chance to sit down and listen to the entire thing. And? It's modern that, rock. Yeah, the hesitation. It's modern rock, dude. I didn't expect it to sound like Van Halen. I didn't want it to sound like Van Halen. But you know for a fact you had some sort of... Yeah, I had yeah. like something there. And it's not necessarily I think it's bad because I don't. It's just not my brand of like hard rock, I guess. And the way that the album is, I think it's going to be very hard for him to follow it up. You think like he just went as hard as he could on the album? And yes. Not, yeah. I mean, then again, look at who his family is. There's a possibility that there's more <laughs> deep down inside of him. But... I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't see any kind of uh, longevity in his career and writing a new album. I I think to be able to determine how good he is would be how his next album is. All right, so let's call this the Halloween 3 comparison, right? Okay. Halloween 3 catches a lot of shit because it's part of the Halloween franchise, so everyone yeah. has a bias. So let's use this in context. This album, let's say it gets released under some fucking Joe Schmo. Okay. New heavy metal hard rock act. Mm-hmm. Are you interested in it? Um, I think I would listen to like the singles that had come out. And I'd be like, all right, they're not bad. But I'm saying the the ties to a certain individual. Yeah, if the ties definitely. weren't there, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have given the entire album yeah. a listen. Okay. I would have heard the first two. If I if if distance would have came out and had it not be from Wolfgang Van Halen, it was just like by some band. I wouldn't have listened to the album because okay. I didn't, I really didn't like that song. Okay, so you. But you had the intro. Exactly. Stuff. See, that's tough, man. Well, I feel bad for him because that's probably a lot of people feel that way. They're trying to find some comfort in listening to the Well, people sucks. are super dick hard about it. I'm not. Well, I, well, my I was whole super thing, dick hard about fucking Tool's new album until it like <laughs> wore off. And I was yeah, like, but here's the thing, too. Great. The thing with the, uh, the Wolfgang Van Halen album is like before Eddie Van Halen died, every interview he did and people would talk about how great he is. He would go, wait until you hear my son's album. Oh, God. Literally. He, like, uh, there's a video on YouTube, um, him receiving a, an award at the Smithsonian, right? And the interviewer was like, you know, you've done so much in music and blah, 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 and you're so great. And he's like, you think that's great? Wait until you hear my son's album. <laughs> it's groundbreaking shit. Like, no bullshit. And I was like, damn, if he says this, like, this must be really fucking good. Considering the fact that he claims the last album he bought was Peter Gabriel's So What? That's like me hitting a home run in T-ball. My dad's like, you think Barry Bonds is good? Wait till you see my boy. You think Mark McGrath is some shit. Wait till you see my boy. Mark McGuire, rather. Mark McGrath. Bloodbath McGrath. (laughs) 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 Fucking Wild West. Or Sugar (laughs) Ray. Bloodbath McGrath. Oh, Jesus Christ. You think Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds is some shit? Wait until you see my boy. My boy went two for three, batting 333 at the T-ball game. He's the next big thing. <laughs> but, oh, um, yeah, for as far as it goes, I mean, to an average music listener, I think they would enjoy this album. I think they really would. Butt rock. Radio friendly butt rock. Radio friendly commercial butt rock. Butt rock. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it it, it is what it is. So it's not groundbreaking. Not groundbreaking. I hate to go against... Uh, I'm going to say this, to too, for all there. the listeners. You having an average liking to this album would say to somebody in my position, probably wouldn't like it at all. 
Because you're yeah. like, you find any reason to like it. So if I'm it like, gives you, yeah, if you give, but I'm saying just anything related. If you, if you, you'll like listen to an album and it's isolated tracks, vocals isolation. You'll look up the history of what Eddie Van Halen was eating that week before recording, and like, well, oh, I eat that same thing. So. Exactly, you got exactly. Know. So you find something. <laughs> so if you find this to be average, it's average. God damn. It's not groundbreaking. I'll have to listen to it because I just now horrible, I need to know. Yeah. But it's not groundbreaking. Yeah, but it's I'm saying, average at yeah, best. Okay. I'd say if I were to give it a rating out of ten, I would have to give it somewhere like a like a six out of ten. So it's listenable, but I usually say anything over a five is like listenable. It's listenable. Make your own opinion yeah. type. Yeah. It's listenable. There's a couple interesting songs on it. The musicianship is great considering the fact that he played everything and he yeah. did everything himself. Mm-hmm. That's a big selling point for me because it's like, well, this dude fucking did everything. It's essentially him. Yeah. So that's a big selling point. But as far as it goes. So you've like done solo musician stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not. And especially with the availability of technology that he has. I mean. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's average. Um, It's worth a listen, but. Don't go in expecting like super. I think that's the hardest part. Shit. Yeah, that's the hardest part. It I mean, sucks. I have heard though. I read a Guitar World interview that he actually used Eddie Van Halen's Frankenstein on a couple songs. So there, there's a little of a redeeming quality there, just because he used Eddie Van Halen's yeah. guitar. On this day in music history. On this day in music history, August second, nineteen sixty-two. Bob Dylan makes his name change official, legally saying goodbye to his birth name. Robert Zimmerman. Robert Zimmerman. Was Dylan like his middle name or something? I never even really looked into that. I didn't even know know this was a legal name change. I thought that was always his um, stage name. Yeah. I never actually knew he legally changed it to Bob Dylan. Yeah, I I thought the same thing. So I would call him like Robert Zimmerman as like, you know. (laughs) Gonna go see the Robert Zimmerman show tonight. Like 50 Cent Curtis Jackson type thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Or like, be a hipster about it. (laughs) Little did I know. Christopher Wallace. I was not Christopher Wallace show tonight. I was not being uh, politically correct, apparently, because he legally changed it. Yeah. In 1962. Wow. So it was like legit, legit. Long time ago. Yeah. 1971, now down to a trio and driven by fighting, Creedence Clearwater Revival, CCR, embark on their last U.S. tour gig. Um, with at Tulsa, Oklahoma Assembly Center. I don't fucking remember that show. 1971 was their last show. No, they were starting their their last tour. That was the first show on the tour. Yeah, but I'm saying that was like their last like tour setup. They started in Oklahoma. Yeah. Wow. In 1971, I didn't realize they broke up that early. Yeah. Well, I mean, because then obviously Fogarty went on to do. His fucking solo shit. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy one. That's so weird though, because I don't know. I I got well, it makes sense. I got well, it has to make sense now, but like I guess like in theory it kind of makes sense because Koreans didn't really release anything. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, they were a huge sixties band. I didn't realize they didn't make it through the seventies. I think I just because I'm thinking of John Fogarty and like what he accomplished and then obviously all the yeah. mass population they got with like their songs being used in so many different things that i'm like wow okay this is a band that died in the 70s i didn't realize it's 71 yeah exactly as early as fuck for ccr (laughs) yeah literally um staying in the 70s here 1973 papa john phillips of the mamas and the papas uh files a suit against his former label dunhill um alleging 60 million in unpaid royalties it's a lot of fucking money for 1973 what would that yeah. equal to now? Like like $200 million? I'm going to look this up while you talk because I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, honest to God, the like, guy would love to be able to rap on the mamas and the papas, but I don't really know much about them. I, just, I think they were all fucking drug addicts, I think, at one point <laughs> or another. And the one had a heart attack. The, the, the woman had, or Mama Cass, I think that's her name. Yeah, I think she had a heart attack. That's really all I know about the. Mamas and the Papas, but I hope this is enough time to, you know, kind of uh, segue here into... Was it 60 million? 60 million. Really? Three. Let's see. 60 million 
in 2021 is equivalent to $367 million, $156,756.76. So basically round up 300, round down $367 million. That's insane. A lot of fucking money. That's a lot. It's a 511.9% inflation rate. Wow. Yep. That's my math today. <laughs> Thank you, inflation calculator. You've now been math here on RATMP. Yeah, for all those who want to know, if you're ever watching a movie, this is a thing I do. When some guys like in 1952, like, we need to come up 20 bucks to pay the rent. And I'm like, oh, well, that's like, doesn't seem like shit. But I do the inflation calculator. Like, oh, shit, it's actually like $600 during a really <laughs> troubling time, you know? So inflation calculator on Google, I'm telling you, check it out. <laughs> Going forward two years, the Eagles, 1975. Uh, one of these nights, they're hit number one. Um, in the U.S. in 75. So this song, right? This is mm. the thing with the Eagles. Their greatest hits is like their best-selling, like, and one of the best-selling albums of all time. Yeah. I was like watching this thing on, you know, the channel Access? Yeah. Like, or is it, no, Access. A- Access. Access. Um, I was watching them like do a live performance and like everybody was there. They were a little bit older, but Walsh was there. And um, I'm like thinking about their live album because they have that album, The Eagles Live. Yeah. This song, I only like on that album. I think the Eagles were, and it's crazy that their greatest hits becomes the best-selling album for one time and another because it's interchangeable with Thriller, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's always like kind of like wishy-washy. But that Eagles live album um, just makes this song. I think the Eagles is a very overrated, underrated band. Like People mm. hate on them for how overrated they are, but then if you really listen to like their live stuff mm-hmm. it's so fucking good man it is good i think i sent you the video i may have seen it on, or i definitely seen it on facebook i'm pretty sure i sent it to you with them like warming up backstage singing yeah like incredible. they're great musicians man all fucking of them nuts. very talented that's probably one of the best vocal compilation of and i'm mad we didn't bring them up last season when we talked about vocal i thought harmonies. we did dude i i think we skimmed past them because I was so dick hard about sure fucking Def Leppard. I'm pretty sure because we talked about like Don Henley and like really try to mention we couldn't. I, I maybe I made this up in my head, but I swore we talked. about We do them. so many episodes. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I can't remember because yeah, that that's a like this is a, that's the thing. I always bring back to the Eagles. Like I'll hate on the Beatles all day. Yeah, I can't find a reason to think that they deserve the amount of credit that they do in terms of musicianship. Yep. But the Eagles get just as much hate and being overrated. But it's funny. Most people that hate on this band. First thing they go to is Hotel California, which is like, okay, yeah. that's like when I hated on Nirvana for a period of time, but all I could really stand by was like smells like teen spirit and in bloom. Yeah, exactly. You know? So yeah, the Eagles live album, this song, probably the best version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a great song, 1975. Nice. Stuff. Uh, jumping way forward here to 1998. Speaking of overrated. Uh, the Beatles are named favorite recording artist of all time in a poll conducted by the UK music magazine Mojo, beating out Elvis, Frank Sinatra, Queen, and Elton John in that order. So, the order they beat out Elvis is second, Sinatra third, Queen fourth, Elton John fifth. I mean, that makes sense in terms of what we know about all these artists and. Yeah, average music listener, it makes sense. Because even Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra is a very unique voice. Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot of people that don't like Frank Sinatra. And I like Frank Sinatra, but not like most people that yeah. like him. Same thing with Elvis. Like, I can really dig Elvis, but I don't like him how some people like him. Dude, my grandmother's like but stupid crazy I have friends that are like 100% obsessed. My grandfather growing up, 100% obsessed. He had that fucking clock with the legs. Yeah. Like, and I like that. I like the style of Elvis, but... Even just like all these artists, like honestly, Freddie Mercury and Elton John, Queen, Elton John, like honestly, I would find them as like better talents overall at the end because of just what yes. they could accomplish in terms of a band is what they were accomplishing as a writing ability. Um, the mass appeal, but this was sucks because the Beatles just will always. Speaking of the Beatles, did you see the new miniseries that's going to be happening with Paul McCartney and Rick Rubin? Yes. And well, the first episode came out, I think, or someone had seen it because I saw somebody post about it on online, and they're like, "You could just see how much Rick Rubin like in, like is inspired by Paul McCartney." And I'm like, "You mean the guy that's trying to be Paul McCartney?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know if I really believe that conspiracy theory on that one. It's possible though. 
It's possible. I mean, there's a lot of things that would make sense about it if it were, in fact, true. But, I mean, I didn't know Paul McCartney beforehand, before the car accident that apparently killed him in 1966. You don't want to talk about this out loud. <laughs> Might be Vans outside your yeah. <laughs> door by the time this conversation He's over. catching on. <laughs> They're listening as we speak. <laughs> Flash forwarding all the way to 2019 with a show in Hanover, Germany on the 246th date of his Divide Tour. Ed Sheeran breaks the record for highest grossing tour surpassing, wow, Jesus Christ, $735.3 million and a half earned on their 2009 That you two earned. Oh, that U2. Oh, they, that's what U2 earned? 735.3 yeah, million? Yeah, he surpassed, so surpassed that. Okay, that's what U2 earned between 2009-2011. Um, their 360 tour. They did just 10 shows. Sharon finishes the tour August 26th with a final tally of $775.6 million. However, he did have to play more than twice the amount of shows to break that. I mean... Which is like crazy to think about that. I mean, but U2 was just... Like I, I'm not a huge U2 fan, but they, they fucking, they have a fan base. They're a band. They're like a very smart band. Mm-hmm. They really fucking did what every musician hopes to do. You know what's even crazier though is that Ed Sheeran was on a fucking tour for 246 days. Like you're talking basically almost a full year. Yeah. Like, like just about a full year. This dude's been. Touring. You know what's lucky though, and I think at the end of the day. I think about genres of music and what you choose to play and then what it does to you physically when you have to perform it. Yeah. Ed Sheeran plays a style of music where, honestly, 246 days out of a year, it's probably fun. It's like you're sitting there basically playing guitar in front of your friends most of the time. You know, it's not yeah. like he's up there fucking like Pete Sandoval from Morbid Angel blast beats at fucking 100 <laughs> BPMs. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I always think about that in terms of the style of music, the musicianship, especially your vocal abilities. Um, like fucking Axl Rose, his voice. How long are you keeping that up for, sir? Yeah. Obviously not that long. Let's talk about Motley Crue. Oh, what the yeah. fuck Let, happened? Let's talk about yeah. him. Yeah. Like, he had Vince to stop the show like in the middle. He stopped singing in the middle of the show. That's what I'm saying. And just like, I'm done. Because that's it. the thing. Ed Sheeran's voice is his voice, you know? Like, a lot of these musicians, some of them are very lucky that they just have that gift where they're not putting some strain onto themselves. Um, just like Sammy Hagar. I mean, I hate to keep... Dude, he, it's just hard because, like... I get it. I get, I get like what you're... Him yeah. at his age, dude, and the amount... I mean, granted, he doesn't smoke or nothing, but... Like, he drinks like a motherfucker, dude, yeah. and he drinks tequila nonetheless, and he's still able to sing up to the abilities that he's always been But that was, to like, too, like, to. Paul Rogers from Bad Company. Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw him live, it was literally the same voice, just on a fucking way older person's body. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Um, Brian now, Johnson's the same way, too. Brian Johnson is the same way. Jerry Cantrell's the same way. Now, speaking of tours... I want to talk about something that's quite relevant that'll bring us into what we're going to discuss here today. So Kanye West, right, did this crazy thing. Um, This is now a couple weeks since it uh, surpassed what happened. But on July 23rd, Kanye West is releasing a new album. It's simply titled Donda. It's named after his late mother. Yeah. July 23rd was the speculative release date. This motherfucker bought out an arena, sold it out, right? Mm-hmm. to a crowd and basically played the album in front of the crowd on the day that it was supposed to be released. He's got balls. So obviously everybody had it in their fucking head of what the fuck just happened. Like, is that the release of the album? <laughs> now, the album is speculated released um, shortly this week, apparently in August. Um, but it was interesting because there were several leaks of music that was released by Kanye in this time. Now we know Kanye has kind of been in a weird fucking state when it terms of music personality wise. Yeah. I'm going to be generous about it because what I heard from the leak audio of the songs that were played during this time, you're getting what I would consider a comeback in just speculative terms. Cause Kanye had some great shit early on, man. Yeah, he did really fucking did. And he is a very good lyricist. He's very fucking smart with his abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, his voice, he's just a very talented rapper and he has a very good, he has a very good idea of where he wants to be and what he's going to be. Yeah. And he's a clever lyricist. Like he was Mm -hmm. very good. I remember hearing through the wire when I was a fucking kid, man, 
Um, and like, it just was good. And mm-hmm. now like everything that's happened, I think you're going to get that, like that. Everyone's saying like that comeback from like the post Kardashian relationship, right? Yeah. You get that like raw energy about it. But so, yeah, I wanted to say, you know, cause it's very often and sometimes it doesn't happen as well, but comeback albums, Yes, you know, like bands that may have lost an intricate member bands that, um, you know, replaced a member. Now we've done something similar to this in bands that succeeded afterwards, but we'll just talk about that first album after a major shift or yep. hiatus of a band. Uh, do you want to start? You want me to start? You can start. You can start. Um, probably one of the best that comes to my mind is Black is Way to Blue. Alice Chains. Now, here's the thing. The Alice in Chains deal for me is I got into them, obviously, after Lane had passed. And, like, like obviously, you know Man in the Box or Them Bones. But like I never dove into their catalog, obviously, because I was like fucking, I don't know, when when did he die? Oh, two? I was 10 yeah. when he died. Yeah. So obviously I didn't have the mental capacity or the uh, discipline to be able to look up and find out about Alice in Chains and plus the limitations of the Internet at that point in time. Yeah, unless you wanted to give your computer AIDS with LimeWire. Exactly. Very limited. Yep. No, I was giving it AIDS with fucking like Dallin Ludacris or something. Yep. Something stupid. Linkin Park numb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Numb MP3 XX two not even numb. It's fucking it's a Soldier Boy song. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking Young Jock. Yeah, right. It's going down. It's going down. <laughs> but um, uh, Black is Way to Blue gets a lot of hate just because it's the first album without Lane. But I mean, at the end of the day, William Duvall, in his own right, is a very good lyricist. He's a very good vocalist. He's just not Lane, and it's unfortunate that people lump him into like this negative sight of Alice in Chains. Do you think so? Because his voice um, is like reminiscent of it, like it's kind of like the harmony between him and Jerry are almost similar. Well, I mean, I'm gonna get crucified here by the fucking Alice in Chains purists on the fucking internet, but I feel like don't say it with Lane. The harmonies, hold on, hold on, hear me out on this one. I think I know where you're going. The harmonies were amazing and the harmonies were, they were different and they weren't like super musical, but they worked where actually, hold on. Here's the perfect, here's, here's what I'm trying to get at. Jerry and William Duvall are like on paper, like good harmonies, right? Lane and Jerry on paper paper aren't good harmonies, but in listening, they they work. With William Duvall, it's like uh like the difference between like a I don't know, like white bread and like a fucking like rye loaf with like uh cinnamon raisin and like oatmeal on top. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm high listening to this conversation. <laughs> what alright, so the William Duvall and Jerry Cantrell harmonies are very straightforward. Yes. And it's easy to but comprehend. Here's the thing, and this easy is to why understand. I'm going to think that's the case, though. With Lane, Allison Chains, vocally, it was driven by Lane. Yes. So Cantrell was almost more of the supporting cast to Lane's vocal ability. Whereas now with Duvall in there, Jerry's it's more of a Jerry driven band where you're yes. just adding someone to harmonize and have smaller parts. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's probably why? Because they got a vocalist that's fitting more towards Jerry as opposed to yeah. Jerry trying yeah, that's to match what I think. with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like trying to go about it in a fucked up way to try yeah, to. Explain I don't know where what white I mean. bread and fucking rye loaf with <laughs> raisins. I don't know what the fuck just happened there. No. Um. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, Can you my- put some like lucid background behind that. Like yeah. the fucking screen starts getting all like smoky and wavy, and I'm just sitting here like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Um. I just feel like their harmonies are very straightforward and it's easy to comprehend and easy to understand. You don't need to be like a music fucking genius to figure out why their harmonies work. I pretty much came to this conclusion while watching Rick Beato's channel, the dude that kind of looks like Michael, my father-in-law. He like, he does like what makes this song great. And like, he, you know, breaks down songs like, you know, instrument by instrument. Like like a music theory session as opposed to just, yeah. And where it's like, like how, like how you play like a power chord on a guitar, yeah. like that's Jerry and William Duvall, where you'd have like literally a fucking, like the matching notes to be able to exactly each other. Okay, and with Lane, it's like, like how an you, unorthodox chord, but it yeah. works. It's just yeah, you'd not, play like a 
diminished uh, fucking uh, suspended okay. uh, sus seven fucking goofy shit that like on paper is kind of like, what the fuck is this even happening? And like, it like sounds fucked up if you play it on like any other instrument, True. but with vocals, it works. True. Like that's what I'm trying to get at. I think the one thing about it is because you can hear it a lot in the live shows because I'm a big just live music person. Dude, I see and, them live uh, every time they come. This like the thing about the Lane era though was that live at the Moor where they did the entire facelift album, the black and white video of him, mm-hmm. and you're hearing them both in their prime. I think you also have to take into account of like Lane's lifestyle and like it was yeah, it's, 50, it's, 50 when it was hitting, but when they were on point, man. That harmony ability between the two of them is like fucking haunting, mm-hmm. man. It is like there is nothing like that. House and Chains unplugged. But the to oh, this day, still, I've been listening to that a lot lately because I keep seeing posts about it from this this page I follow. Yeah, on Instagram, and dude, it's just I'm I'm still not ready to put it above Nirvana's, and it's not but it's even working, for, it's working it, its, it's way it's, though. It's like it's definitely surpassed. Like because I used to even be on edge a little bit about like STP and Pearl Jam. Yeah, STPs like, was good. They're both and Pearl Jam's is great too, even though they never released it. But the Black Gives Way to Blue era, when they started to move into that, it, it sucks because it's it's almost two separate bands, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it is an album of them trying to stay relevant, continue this band, play the shows, play the songs you remember. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Duval, when he does Lane era music, it's fucking good, man. Yeah. Like you're not you're obviously missing that important piece, mm-hmm. but that album... He's not as fucking... Um, he's not as raw. Yeah, but he's Wayne also Duvall's not... more refined of Exactly, a but he's still... You still have a feel. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's what sucks. Yep. Like, a lot of these bands will rediscover themselves, and I think the Black Gives Way to Blue album was a great step in going that route because they didn't try to redo what they were doing. Yeah. They took the same you know, basic ingredients of what Alice in Chains is and knew they were going to work with what they had and not try to put themselves as like, all right, we're going to continue this the same way we've been. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because some bands will really try to like keep the same exact formula and fit in somebody different and think they're just going to continue. Well, what I feel like ultimately killed, well, I don't think anything really killed this album, but what put a bad taste in people's mouth is they remember Alice in Chains from the self-titled album and how fucking raw and edgy well, that, and yeah. fucking sludgy that album was. I think and you then it honestly, goes to this like super commercialized album. But I think that's what's funny is because I think that band was more dictated by the like atmosphere of the band. Because if you listen to Facelift yeah. to Dirt, and then if you add the EPs, obviously, between that period, and then you get to the self-title, you like can literally hear Lane deteriorating in those albums. Yeah. Like, dude, Dirt is fucking depressing, man. Mm-hmm. And then the self-title... I've we've talked about the self-title at length before, but like I feel like I feel like self-titled they had to put something out, yeah, and that was literally the best they could do at that. And it's good. I I I like I like it too. But it's funny because I'll talk to people that are not a fan of like Alice in Chains, and the first thing they're familiar with is the Lane era. Obviously, yeah, dude, it sounds like you're. Like, like listening to quicksand, like it's you know, like you know, and I'm like, that's the point. Yeah, I like it. It's fucking self-loathing, sad, it's, haunting, great music. But that's yeah, that's what made that's what made all that Dark. shit great. But that is funny because then black gives way to blue. But they still had some, like I said, they still had some of that basic Alice in Chains feel. Yeah, to it. yeah, yeah. Um, they definitely had an Alice in Chains feel. But it was your definitely decision more, is on there, right? Yeah, your decision immediately had that feel because the music video too remember it's like that weird brothel where they're yeah. like killing people basically mm-hmm. um but that dun, 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 well the title dun. track off that album is fucking really like it's got giving my fucking like hair stand up my arms Getting talking about it yeah fucking black it's blue. literally just jerry with a piano yeah and dude like that ti- that title track is fucking amazing that's what i'm saying it is a great rediscovery of the band i think black mm-hmm. is way to blue is definitely a solid comeback effort because again, Halloween three con you know context. Take it out of Alice in Chains. Listen to it as an album. Yeah, I have no backing comparison. It's fucking great. Yep, it is a good album, hands down. Mine. I'm gonna do this one first before we get into one that we'll both jump in on. But this one we also both can talk about. Uh, American Psycho. Oh yeah, by the Misfits. So now, this is where I'm finally gonna get my opportunity to talk about where I stand in this. So we have to understand something. 1983. Uh, Earth AD, Wolf's Blood's released. 
Shortly before American Psycho released in 97, Static Age was finally released in 96. Mm -hmm. Static Age is technically the first recorded full-length album by the Misfits, but the last released one under the Danzig era because it took a while and all this other shit. Um, But then 97 rolls around, the band reforms. um, You know, you got Chud on drums. You got Michael Graves now on vocals, you know, still with Wolfgang as well as Jerry only. Now, the Misfits in this era constantly catch shit because it's not Danzig era. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you are more of a fan of those Graves album era than the Danzig era, where I'm more of a fan of the Danzig era with probably Static Age being my favorite, Earth AD being close second, right next to Walk Among Us. But the Graves stuff, man, was fucking great. It was. And this is another moment where it's like, you want to talk about comeback album, you just had that huge hiatus, huge feud. Obviously, Graves goes through the same shit later and you get the fucking Jerry Only band because that is an era of the Misfits. I do not consider the Misfits. No. But this, I can. That's I think Americans playing Halloween. Yeah, literally. Like, we just need places <laughs> to play fucking shows and continue to sell our products. I ran out of money. Literally, that's all it was. <laughs> um, but American Psycho, man, so many fucking good songs front to back the way it opens with you know the abominable mr phoebes right into the title track dig up her bones is obviously on it speak of the devil Mm -hmm. the shining don't open till doomsday i mean there's so many good fucking songs in this album and when i think of like comeback albums you know like you're making a huge major fucking change like you're getting replacing the entire vocalist who's leading this band um and not only in terms of that but production Oh, dude, the, it was like night and day. Night and day, you know, and but it's also just the song structure itself. Like, it was that same feel, like those sing-along moments. Because that's the thing with me and the Misfits. Like, the Misfits, for me, are so important in my life because of, like, how I listen to them. Yeah. Being drunk with my friends instead of listening to, like, Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi, you know, we were uh-huh. listening to, like, Astro Zombies by <laughs> the Misfits. Like, and there's just so many sing-along moments. But Graves Era Misfits, that first album, American Psycho, I think I think is honestly a very underrated comeback album because of what happens. I think it's an underrated it. album, period. Period. I think it's an yeah. extremely underrated album. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Famous Monsters more, but... So do I. I feel like American Psycho does not get the accolades it deserves. I think because of the Danzig era, like, there was that mm-hmm. huge feud and, like, this is not the real Misfits. Exactly. But, it's so stupid. Like, take that out of context. It's a good fucking album. Dude, honestly, if it were, if it didn't have the Misfits monkey, yeah, if they were it, just a punk or moniker, punk, yeah, just the, like Blitz Kid, you know, like the band Blitz Kid, the fucking exactly. horror punk band. If they were just a separate band, and this is what was released, one hundred percent, right up there. It could literally be. It, I honestly think that American Psycho could be released today, and still, and still probably be on up. the radio. Yeah, yeah. Dig up her bones. One hundred percent would be on the radio. radio. Are you song? kidding? Yeah, <laughs> I dude. I I remember the first time I heard that song, I was like, oh my god. The first Misfit song I ever heard was Attitude off of Static Age. Okay. Okay. So, and this was the LimeWire era. Someone showed me the Misfits. I think someone was talking about them as a band and had the shirt on. So I wanted to be cool and like, <laughs> I actually know this band. I'm not just wearing their shirt. So I named three of their songs. Exactly. <laughs> so I wanted to listen to them before I made the investment in such a product. Yeah. I had standards. So I downloaded You're such a Misfits fan. Hum. Yeah. yeah, I downloaded, you know, MP3 dot attitude dot, you know, yeah. whatever. So I listened to that and it was good. I enjoyed it. But then the very next song I downloaded was Dig Up Her Bones. Do you know what that was like for a fucking kid to hear Attitude and then dig up her bones and be like, even think it was How is the same fucking band? So now I feel like LimeWire's giving me the old fifty two skadoo on me. I don't even know who I'm listening to at this point. It was like death. When I listened to Scream Bloody Gore and Sound of Perseverance, yeah. you have no way of wasn't validating. The same band. I have no way of validating if Literally this is true. Literally wasn't the same band. <laughs> no, like, no way to validate if this is true or not. But anyway, that was the second song I heard is Dig Up Her Bones. Um, it wasn't until later when I got older where I got into like albums. Like I wanted yeah. to listen to albums. But American Psycho was on repeat when I had my Dodge Charger. And I had all the burned CDs and the fucking yeah. book, the old school method. But that album was on fucking repeat constantly because it's just a good driving album. Oh, it's dude. a good just listening album. It's a good when you're out drunk with your friends album. It's just a so good, good. It's just good album. Very good. Very good album. That's my first choice. Nice. Um, another one here is something we, we can talk about at length. Uh, Back in Black. Arguably the most commercialized and successful comeback album of ever. 
of literally all time. of all time. I hate on ACDC era Brian Johnson, but this is the same thing with you too. And their shit like was selling the way they did. Mm-hmm. This album is fucking genius for what they were able to do. Well, 100%. Honestly, well, what I think with this album like completely doesn't turn off for you is the fact that even in, you know, death, Bon Scott had a huge part in this album. And yes. most of the shit was written while yes. he was still alive. Yes. So it still had that old school fucking ACDC feel just with the new guy singing. That's how I feel like with the album I'm going to bring up next, but talking about this one, um, that's exactly it. I think the instrumental in the work on this entire album, the feel mm-hmm. to the album is what I like about ACDC. Again, it's just how I am with certain vocalists. It's just that's what that was that one ingredient that pushed them over the yeah. edge. You know what I mean? He had the attitude. He had he the just, fucking would, like, like the grit. Yeah, like the Paul Diano versus Bruce. Exactly. Name. It's like you have more of a polished hard rock atmosphere as opposed to like this guy will fucking beat me up in the parking lot if I say something attitude. Yeah, you know pretty I mean? much. Yeah. I mean, I think all those dudes are like fucking like like four foot like eleven, so I don't think you have much of a problem with Bond Scott. Well, I'm I'm five foot two, so you're still towering over like the dudes in ACDC. <laughs> I think legal midgets like four eleven. I have to wear a booster seat when I drive my car <laughs> by law. <laughs> um, but uh, back to back in black. We've said it on this show a few times. It's a hit machine. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a just fucking hit machine. It's the quintessential blueprint for American or uh for just for rock. Rock and roll. Yeah, I mean it's literally it's just it's a blueprint. That's the thing. I think because like, you want to write good music, listen to Back in Black. I think it's funny because that was the first um I don't want to say the first CD I owned, because uh Eminem show was the first CD I ever owned. But this album was probably that first album where I felt like, like, I, like almost like Dark Side of the Moon. Like, yeah. just that's one of those albums that like you have to have. That was my yep. first have to have album. And I remember it was the fold out one, so it wasn't even like the real jewel case one. Oh yeah, my stepmom had it, but it was old and it was like real fucking crackling. And I remember she gave it to me, and like that is one of those albums you can literally put on and like not even realize you listen to the whole thing because it just yeah. flows so quick. So smooth, and there's not there's not a skippable track on there. No. There really isn't. And I think the thing about that album is also bearing in mind of where they were coming from, like on the high, like absolute, like peak of commercial success. Yeah. And their fucking singer dies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now how hard that is for a band to just turn right around and fucking put out something, let alone what Back in Black turned out to be. Oh my God. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Could you imagine? Unbelievable album. Yeah, that's probably got to be the best one overall, though. It would be like if I died and this podcast hit number one on iTunes. Immediately. Yeah. That would suck really bad. <laughs> I would give royalties to your wife, no problem. That would really suck. That would really suck really bad. Like, we out, we out. But then it's Joe like, Rogan. what does it say about you? Like, you died and then it became number one. Were you the fucking toxic yeah, ingredient? That yeah. would suck even worse. Yeah, was I holding I'd it back? I'd be at your eulogy being like, if it wasn't for Bill, I wouldn't be as successful as I am today. Thanks for dying, basically. <laughs> Um, Thanks for kicking the bucket, asshole. So before, I just want to mention two quick ones. One that we'll talk on briefly. Um, another one that I think the last one too. But the one I want to talk about first is Californication by the okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers. So 95, One Hot Minute came out. Dave Navarro was playing guitar. Prashante mm-hmm. obviously went on his hiatus, everything like that. But then 99 rolls around right on the peak of the 2000s movement and what was about to happen. And Red Hot Chili Peppers dropped Californication. Yeah. And that album was perfect because you got to see what they were missing in John Frusciante. Because when we talked about top guitars, I had him up there as like absolutely probably definitely my top five. Yeah. Because he's just... You think about guitars, you think about musicians, when you had that album specifically, that's literally Red Hot Chili Peppers. That is like a brand of music that you can only get from this band. That's true. You know, and the One Hot Minute era with Dave, I mean, there's some good stuff on there, but dude, I mean... I think Dave Navarro's a douche. I agree. I agree. And for that moment that he was in the Red Hot Chili Peppers to be able to carry them through for a period of time. Yeah. Like I said, it made it that much more important that when John came back into the band... Like they fucking god, it was like having a wicked fucking hangover and the ibuprofen just worked. Yeah, right. Like you know what I mean. Like you're just praying to God something changes here, and then John Frusciante comes in with his 800 milligrams of Advil and just yeah, boom. RHCP is ready to go. That's so funny. What else you got? Well, I have my last one here. 
so we can kind of roll it into this the like part two of this topic. So do you want to do another one first before I? Jump I was going to say one? injustice for all. Well, the last one because what's left? What what else can we, we have not to bring say it up? So we're not even going to mention the band. Not even going to mention. Not the band even going to say it. From now on, that's going to be the new thing. We'll talk about them and not say the and name. whatever it's about. Yeah. So they dropped and justice for all right after you know shortly after Cliff Burton died. Uh, Newstead joins the band. Yeah. Now this is where we argue all the time because me and you differ on how we feel about them. Yeah. Right? We know that there's an album that comes after this with a title. Just call it the Black Album. Yeah, um, the but snake, Injustice the Snake for all, Album, the Snake Album. But Injustice for All for them at this period in time, hitting commercialized success with Master mm-hmm. and having to turn around. Like this is the thing: it's not you're like you're losing your singer, but you can tell Cliff was an absolute quintessential part of this band. Yeah, and it's evident in terms of in the chemistry, in terms of like the abilities. Like Cliff was such an integral part. Like most bands could lose a fucking basis. Not yeah. to be crass about it, but most bands could lose a fucking basis and be whatever. Shit, how many did Death have? Death changed their whole entire <laughs> fucking organization. Like, you know, like they were selling for draft picks at the end of every yeah, fucking right. album. Like, oh, done. You're at the peak of your career. You got to go. Like, you could fucking like Steve DiGiorgio on there. It was one of the most talented bases. You had him on for two albums. I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Like, you can't get better than that, sir. What are you doing? But Injustice for All, I think Injustice for All is probably my personal favorite comeback album in terms of how good it was in flowing of the discography as well as the change that needed to happen as a result. I can I can dig that. I absolutely think that is. And I know what yours is going to be. Yeah. So, so <laughs> um, at the end of last season, we had discussed, well, because I knew Steve was going to fuck me. And give me a Doors album. That I mean, not I literally. Yeah. yeah, he's not it's figuratively. Yeah, we're on camera now. <laughs> I knew he was going to give me a Doors album that I had to listen to. Hundred percent. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? Fuck it. He's listening to a Van Hagar album. So the best thing about this to mention before you say this, I actually owned it on vinyl. I probably have mentioned this before. <laughs> yeah. But I owned it on vinyl and was going to give it to you. Should have fucking known better. I already had it. Yep. <laughs> So the album that I'm talking about is 5150, obviously from Van Halen. Um, the reason it's a comeback album is because they obviously had their pretty uh, uh, public, you know, public uh, split with David Lee Roth. And this was the first album that the band was going to put out without him. And it wound up being a commercial and musical success. Um I think it's a great comeback album. It's it's and and it it's funny too because not only wasn't a comeback album for the band, but it was also like the start of something completely different. Yeah, I mean, and at that point, whether or not anyone wants to call it Van Halen or not is completely up to uh, judgment. But as far as a uh, as far as a comeback album goes, I mean, it's one of the better ones. So let's roll this right into it then. So we're going to give you guys reviews. Uh, I listened to Strange Days by The Doors, and you listened to 5150 by Van Halen. So what do you want to do? Do you want to go track by track? And like we'll just kind of like talk Let's about start our opening notes, tracks. Do yeah. you want to do or do you want to go? Then do you want me to go? I'll go first. Okay. Then you can go. But uh, yeah, because I, I had a re-listen. It was funny. It was very ironic that I went to have a re-listen going to be the fourth time honestly twice i listened to it through a digital copy and that twice i listened well this was the thing i was trying to like really wrap my head around i have a i will say this about the album and this is the same way i feel about pantera far beyond driven is not my favorite album mm-hmm. but i can tell it's dimebag's most ferocious effort in terms of his instrumental quality okay 5150 for me when i listen to just the instrumental work and how much effort you know Eddie was putting into this compared to what he was doing at the end of the Roth era. It was like a rediscovering of how fucking good I am at guitar. Yeah. Cause he was very fucking good on it. So the first, that the first song good enough, like that, that song, like, honestly, that was like, it was going to give you a tempo for the whole fucking thing. And me with an intro mm-hmm. track, like I, I don't need that song to be great, but I can tell you this Hello, most, baby. mostly every single song that I'll listen to. That's an intro track to a good album. I will love that song mm-hmm. and good enough is honestly probably my second favorite song on the entire album. 
Really? And it's funny because, yeah, because it's funny. Like, so I'm going to skip down though, because obviously dreams is like, I can't tell you how many fucking times I've heard that song. I didn't realize it. So I actually wrote my notes. It's an aerobics theme song. I feel like it's, it's total eighties. It has a jump feel to it. You know what I mean? It's very eighties, but that first song good enough. I never heard that song. Yeah. I never heard that song. And when I literally the way it starts the album, I think because it was fresh and nobody tried to, everyone who tried to force this album down my throat, either shove summer nights at me or dreams. Mm -hmm. Right. But summer nights, you know, I'm going to skip around too because Summer Nights is honestly my favorite song off the album. Word. I think it is my favorite song off the Damn album. Damn right it is. It's darker. It's mid-tempo. It's mm-hmm. slower. Um, and that riff is just so bad. Very fucking good, man. Yeah. And like, here's the thing though because also bear in mind the tracks before Dreams like Get Up, I immediately put down Hot for Teacher. The way the drums come in in the yeah. intro, like that speed feel to it. Everything that was happening yeah. in this album, like the only problem was was Sammy's vocals. It takes a while for it to fucking really come on to you. And it sucks because it didn't really happen until the last track on Inside where I was listening to a song like This Is Sammy Hagar, Van Halen. Every other song, I think because Eddie was so on point, it's almost like you were missing David Lee Roth. Like, why couldn't you have done this before? Like, what the fuck happened? Because Daily Roth didn't want that shit. I know to it sucked, man. Summer nights, absolutely good. I wrote down for best of both worlds. I thought the chorus was, you know, not bad. It's got that real sing along style to mm-hmm. it. It's very like catchy. Love walks in. The only thing I put in my I notes like was next. next. I put a little star <laughs> and I put next. Fifty one fifty. The self title was I put its most casual track on the album. I like. I love no- that riff. Yeah, nothing stood out to it, both good and bad. It mm-hmm. was just like a calm. Like I could have had that song in the background, and like nobody would stop to be offended. Nobody would stop yeah. to be like, "What the fuck? This is great." It's just it was like a very calm track, which is weird. I really like the chorus of that song. So do I. I put that on there. And the chorus is good. Yeah, but the interesting thing about it was because it's the second to last track on the album. Which I found interesting because a lot of bands in the 80s, like that was your fourth track. That was your like, you know, like round, like cleanup hitter basically in the lineup. It should Um, have been released as a single off that album instead of Love Walks In. Yeah, I don't understand how that was the single. There's literally every other track on here is much better. Yeah. Every other track. Literally every song. So when I put this in, you know, highlights, I think Good Enough, this is again, why I go back to albums. Good Enough starts the album out exactly what I was hoping to hear. Yeah. Right. Uh, because again, like Dreams was the song that was given to me. That is a very 80s fucking song. Bear mm-hmm. in mind, it's released in 86. So we're peak 80s at this point. Yeah. So the, everything about the album, I basically came down to the census. I said the album needed serious digesting to find new appreciation because I've heard it before. Yeah. I needed to find like a real sense of like listening to it for what I'm trying to listen for, which is like, you know, Eddie's talents and where this band was going. I said, I will say. My mind changed a bit, not a lot, um, but I don't think I'll ever find the appreciation for Hagar's vocals. I just don't (laughs) think I'll do it. However, this is, and I said this about the Pantera thing, this is probably honestly my favorite work by Eddie in terms of guitar ability. I think of Van Halen 1, I think of Van Halen 2, I think of Before Women and Children First, and then I think about how the albums flow and the talents that he's showing. This album, I immediately put onto thinking about Far Beyond Driven. Not my yeah. favorite fucking album, but if you want to like show somebody how good that his fucking work is, this is the album that I would probably. I mean, because Van Halen one stands out because of Eruption. Like you really just get to see that. So I think there's obviously every other album with the Roth era. I find more appreciation for. I find more enjoyable, but just the entire album. It just, it has a great flow to it. Every song, like you really can hear his talents and guitar mm-hmm. ability. Like there are no skippable tracks. If you want to listen to isolated instrumentals, I mean, obviously then, I mean, there is one skippable track on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, man, the, what I put, cause I did this on a hundred scale so I could be a little more precise. I gave it a 66 out of a hundred. Okay. Like I said, anything over 50 for me in this respect, it's listenable. Make your own opinion. Because honestly, before I listened to it like this, I wouldn't have even counted to be a listen. But I honestly found a little bit more of respect for it just because of how talented Eddie is and what he's able to produce, what the entire band does. And Sammy Hagar, honestly, this time around, it didn't like piss me off 
Yeah. Like Sammy Hagar used to piss me off his voice, but this was like more enjoyable because I was listening to it with a purpose. So I was like finding a reason to like it. Yeah. Because that's how I am. Like, I, I, I'm you not don't want to hate I'm not just going to hate something because I don't like it, like in the told not to like it and condition not to like I'll find a reason to like something if it's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, honestly, it was kind of surprising because the way the album does run, you can listen to it and not even realize you listen to it. It's a very quick listen. Yeah. Um, it's smooth. And like I said, overall. And the production was great on yeah, it. Yeah, very good. Yeah, everything <clears throat> about it was very balanced. I found it averagely enjoyable at best, as you could say. <laughs> Well, I'm moving on here to this uh, Doors album, Strange Days. Uh, the first track, Strange Days, I had to put down there. Bass was awesome. Really cool bass line. It was the only thing I could really say about the song. <laughs> it is pretty cool, though. What I think... All right, so on all these tracks here, the one thing that is similar that I didn't write down on every track is I don't like Jim Morrison. I don't like his vocal styling. I don't like his lyrics. I just don't like Jim Morrison. But I do like the instrumentals of The Doors. So instead of writing down there like Jim Morrison sucks or like I don't that like That was Jim your Morrison. overall consensus. Yeah, overall consensus, I feel like The Doors I feel like The Doors are extremely good band, but the whole thing of Jim Morrison kind of really fucking it it's what does it for me. I mean, I that's the thing too. Like that's I don't like Danzig. As much as you do. I mean, I enjoy Danzig, but like I, I wouldn't, I would go. It's like, it's, it, but it's the same thing with like Elvis and Sinatra. I think exactly. like you find, and like Sammy Hagar. Yep. Um, that's, I think that's a lot of people though, with a lot of bands that they listen to. And especially with like talents that are recognized, like Elvis, Jim mm-hmm. Morrison, Freddie Mercury. It's like acquired. It's either acquired or it's, you love them from the start. Exactly. Because if you don't listen to him and you didn't hear him at a time to really like grow on you where you're already like older and it's just like hard for you to get into him, it's very difficult. Exactly. Um, so track two, your lost little girl, uh, guitar tone and riff was cool. Boring lyrics. I thought that the riff lost little girl. <laughs> I thought the riff like reminded me of like Metallica. Yeah. That. Um Love Me Two Times overplayed. That, that is the yeah. Um, keyboard solo was cool. Um, my favorite song on the album, Unhappy Girl. Which is surprising. Uh, yeah, I, I just to think me, it's a yeah, cool song. It is a very cool song, but to me, that's a very overlooked track, most people. Most people, that just goes way over. Honestly, I would never would have listened to it if I didn't have, if I didn't exactly. listen to this album in depth. Exactly. Um, track five, Horse Latitudes. The only thing I wrote down was joke. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's like an interlude, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, track six, Moonlight Drive. I put down my second favorite song of this album. Track seven, People Are Strange. I put down Overplayed. Uh, track eight, My Eyes Have Seen You. I said, I like the epicness of it. Best instrumentals on the album, period. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think it had like the best, like, like soundscapes, I guess. Is what, yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it's just like, it was like the most like full like like mood setting thing off that album. Um track nine, I can't see your face in my mind. Uh cool instrument choices, uh, with slide guitar and uh like the blocks, like the timbales or whatever the fuck they're called. Like that was cool. And uh track ten, when the music's over, was my second least favorite song on the really? album. And I put down impressive how they were able to keep it together motherfucker that see because you said your favorite instrumental song i'm yeah. like oh i wonder how he feels about when the music's over now i fucking know <laughs> dude that song to me is fucking like i'll listen to that but like while i'm just laying in bed staring at the fucking ceiling it's just I so it was, chill like it was like too long for Well, me. that's like their version of the end off of the self-title they had okay, the 11 yeah. minute track on there when the music now here's the thing though because I can like honestly get where you come from in all those songs. Because that's typically what I hear when I show people the doors that don't like the fucking doors. <laughs> but their live stuff, I think, is what put them over the edge for me. 
Yeah. I honestly don't think it'll change your mind, but it is something to definitely consider, especially... Well, I can tell you, it has given me a newfound respect for the doors. There is, and, and honestly, I kind of went on a limb, fucking... I would have just recommended the scythe title... Can't speak, stroke. <laughs> I was going to recommend the self-title because that is their master of puppets recommendation. That's like, okay, this is good enough. This will get the job done. They'll have an understanding and then we can branch on other things. But I took a risk because Strange Days is my personal favorite. Okay. Um, just like when we do our next monthly review, I have an album we'll discuss later that's also my personal favorite, but not going to be their best <laughs> overall. So it'll be fun. But I mean, I... I say we do the 100 scale. If I have to give it an unbiased review... And just going to this, you know, with not having a pre-distaste for the doors, I'm probably going to have to give this album probably like 57 out of 100. Like, it's it's listenable. I'll never listen to it again. <laughs> wow. I mean, there was highlight stuff off of there. I understand why people love it. I understand why... You know, the doors are as revered as they are. I think the general consensus for both of us, it was the vocals. Yeah. I think the vocals killed the Honestly, both dude, these I think I think the doors are taste. fucking amazing without Jim Morrison. Well, you listen to the doors albums without Jim Morrison, you might regret that fucking <laughs> that fucking decision. Because they released some albums without it. I didn't put that in the comeback issue. Yeah, you realize that. Um all right, cool. So Bill not a fan of Strange Days, Steve. Mm, averagely a fan of a 5150 <laughs> i guess i think anything that breaks the 70 cusp we can say fan okay so we can do a slam like pff, what, what were we gonna do uh hit or shit hit or shit all right so hit just stands for shit <laughs> 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 anything over a 70 makes it a hit there you go um so yeah i mean uh you guys can make your own you know opinions or decisions off basically off of what we say you don't have to listen to us but we appreciate that you do. Yeah. I mean, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> so um guess on that note, let's get into our suggestions for this week. Cause I got one that's fucking like way off the fucking cuff. Way off? Way off. Like I was on Spotify fucking around. What listening. is it, like armpit farts? No. Like um I was driving around with the wife and the dog and I was like, I want to listen to like boy bands. That's what I want to listen to tonight. Oh, geez. So I put on like a playlist of like the best 90s boy bands and I fucking came across this song that I remember hearing fucking like 20 years ago and I was, and like it like clicked in my mind like almost that time where I heard fucking Super Heaven and I was like, oh my God, and I started singing the words. Oh yeah, well, yeah, jar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, my suggestion for this week is the 1996 uh, single from the band No Mercy called where where do you go off the album my promise wow when you hear it because i'm gonna play it for you and you're gonna go oh my god i remember this fucking song okay because there's another song where i had that too we'll discuss it because it's not my choice of what i'm about to pick but um i'm gonna choose <laughs> that's funny though because this made me think about something else so we'll talk about this later my album choice, uh, kind of in a comeback, you know, type thing. Um, you know, it was an anticipated album. wasn't really through hiatus. It was only a three year gap in these albums. But uh, the album is the off season. It was released on May fourteenth this year by J Cole. Um, I do, I'm a big fan when any rapper comes out that's not like the Migos wave. I yeah. think the mumble rap wave has taken on its own life to where it's becoming so repetitive and no uniqueness value to it that it's becoming almost annoying. Like Lulu Vert, some of the guys early on I was able to accept. Like it was decent music to like yeah. listen to. But now it's just become so fucking played out that the moment I can hear some like true lyricist or real rapper come out there and like put something out nowadays, it's like I fucking salivate at the opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, J. Cole's new album that came out in May called The Off Season. I'm going to recommend the track Interlude. Nice. That's the recommendation. Well, for this season, we're not going to do group movie suggestions because I feel like no one really watches these anyway. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're done doing group. If movie you want a personal movie suggestion outside of just music related, you can go to our sister podcast. Yeah, Basin yeah. Box Office Podcast. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because like honestly, 
like nowadays, I really don't have time to like sit down and like watch a movie. It's rough. So, so we've just been recommending shit we saw when we were 15. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, hey, uh, have you seen Almost Famous recently? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think what you should do is as well, uh, put in a disclaimer, like beep, due to technical difficulties, this will no longer be on the air. <laughs> Stay tuned to YouTube for our second episode that will make it on there. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Do something like that. Because, <laughs> sorry, we apologize. We did talk about, like, oh, look at us on fucking camera, yet <laughs> we're not on fucking camera anymore. Yeah. I, well, I feel like we could talk about this on the show. This like, is right super now. punk rock about it. Our fucking camera's overheated or some shit on us. Yeah, fucking, fucking format SD cards. We've, yeah. we've practiced this thing multiple times. So we apologize to all our listeners and soon-to-be viewers out there because we fucking lied to you. Yeah. Right um, to your fucking ears. I'm sorry. Yep. We're sorry. Sorry, you, dog. You heard it here first. <laughs> if you don't accept this apology, please hit us up on our social. Yeah. <laughs> if that apology wasn't good enough for you, you can find us on our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast, Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. And of course, if those characters aren't enough for you for social media, you can email us your uh, displeasure at uh, retmpodcast at gmail.com but until then this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off for the evening as always I'm Bill I'm Steve have a good night guys thanks for listening